Thank yes, you. sir. Yep. This week, uh, the food, the fellowship has been wonderful. I've gained at least five to ten pounds. My wife will not appreciate it, but we're thankful uh, for the fellowship. You've been very gracious, and your generosity has been uh, a tremendous encouragement. First Corinthians chapter 9, a missions revival is all about waking up the people of God and causing them to set their affections on things above and not on things of this world. A mission to revival should inspire us to give of ourselves and our resources to Christ and the cause of Christ around the world. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know, especially here in America, and I mentioned this on Sunday, how easy it is for us to get comfortable. And I mentioned this past Sunday, there's comfort and convenience in themselves. Not anything wrong with that, but often the greatest hindrance to a greater commitment to Christ and the cause of Christ around the world. And that's why we get together for a missions revival, a missions conference. It gives us an opportunity to see the world through the eyes of Christ. And we've heard stories, we've seen pictures about the other side of the world, people that uh, most of us, at least many of us, will never meet. And uh, that's what a missions revival is all about. It inspires us to pray more. At the end of this evening, Lord willing, all of us here will pray more for missionaries as well as the people on the mission field. And by the way, uh, as you heard last night, we were being a little transparent last night. Uh, we, we covet your prayers. We need your prayers a missions revival not only causes us to pray more, but to give more. And we'll be talking about that in a few moments. Uh, and I think I mentioned on Sunday, God has been very good to us in America. Somebody say amen. And uh, when you go to the other side of the world, especially into a third world country, you appreciate how good God's been to us in America. But we must never forget that one day we will give an account for the blessings of God in our lives. Because God gives so that we can give out, not so that we can hold and harbor for ourselves. So, uh, missions revival should cause us to give more for lost and dying world. And, of course, it should inspire all of us to go, whether it's around the corner or around the world. And I pray that over the last few days and in just a few moments that... Uh, our time together has caused you to desire to share the gospel with others. I'm very thankful for the young people and, of course, uh, uh, the, the, the young people who ride the buses, who sang for us a moment ago. I thought about my wife was reached on a bus route, my sister-in-law, my brother who's a pastor. Uh, she was reached on a bus route. Uh, somebody was willing to go around the corner. Somebody say Amen. And uh, that's what a missions revival is all about. First Corinthians chapter 9, if you're able to, let's stand. And we're going to have to move rapidly this evening. Thank you for coming. And I, I mentioned this to Pastor. You have been so gracious. You've been so good. Uh, you have made us all feel very welcome here. Uh, your questions, your talking to us. Uh, 
we can all tell you stories. There's some churches we go to and we stand by our table and everybody just walks by and we go. But you've not done that. You've been very, very gracious and we're very thankful for that. First Corinthians chapter 9. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently, if you would, please. We'll begin in verse number 16. The Apostle Paul, and I don't have time to give a lot of background, but the Apostle Paul is sort of defending his apostleship, and he's dealing with a lot of problems in the church at Corinth. Of course, he, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, dealing with a lot of problems, doctrinal issues, divisional problems, and that type of thing. And in this passage that we're going to read here, the Apostle Paul is talking about his heart for the gospel, what he's willing to give up and sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. I read out loud, you read along with me silently if you would. The Bible says in verse number 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. I I don't have time to spend on this, but what Paul is basically talking about, he was a tent maker. Paul is saying, I was willing to sacrifice a divine right that I had to have a salary to be supported for the ministry. I sacrificed that for the sake of the gospel. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh, verse number uh, 19, what, I, what is my reward? That verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I may gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. A lot could be said about that today. That's what missionaries do. We go to Spain, we go to Canada, and we become Canadians, we become Spaniards, we go to Asia, and we learn to eat white rice. Somebody say amen. And uh, you, you, you fit into the culture. You never violate scripture, but you become one of them for the sake of reaching them for Christ. Verse 21, to them that are without the law, as without the law being uh, not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. And again, I just, you just see the Apostle Paul's heartbeat here. Whether it's rich or poor, educated or uneducated, he has a desire to reach everybody with the gospel of Christ. Verse 22, to the weak become I weak that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I want you to notice verse 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake. Can I get you to say the gospel's sake? Paul said, this I do for the gospel's sake. That I may be a partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the four wonderful days that we've had. The preaching has been good. The music has been wonderful. The fellowship has been sweet. The spirit has been tremendous. 
And Father, we have sensed that you have moved in our hearts and in our lives. And God, we pray in the next few moments that we have that you would do something. As, as Brother Jay said, it is very apparent that our adversary is trying to stop something from happening tonight. Those were wise words from a wise man. And I pray, Father, that you will do what no man can do this evening. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take the few moments that we have, that you would make a change in our hearts, change the desires of our heart, the direction of our lives, possibly. And I pray, Father, that this church tonight would see something miraculous happen, beginning with each individual heart. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was meditating and thinking this morning, I started thinking about the fact that, you know, all the money and manpower that is necessary to reach the world for Christ is in the church today. All the manpower, all the money that is necessary to reach the entire world for Christ is in the church, some church. Our churches combined today. All that is really necessary is the motivation. Can I get somebody to say amen? We've got the manpower. It's not, we don't have a shortage of men and women. We don't have a shortage of money. The truth of the matter is, in our independent Baptist churches, we have more independent Baptist churches in the United States than we've ever had. We have more independent Baptist church members than we've ever had. The truth of the matter is, we have more money in our independent Baptist churches than we have ever had. The great need in most cases is not men and money, but it's motivation. One man who had very little problem with being motivated was the Apostle Paul. I love reading about Paul. I, I, I love Paul. They say, and I don't know if this is true, they say the Apostle Paul was about five foot three. Somebody say amen. <laughs> they say he was bald headed. Somebody say amen. They say he had a Pot belly, somebody say amen. And they say he had a problem with his eyes. I fit the bill, amen. But you, when, you read, when you read through the book of Acts and you, you read the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and you read his epistles, you see the heart of a man who was passionate and he was passionate about knowing the Lord and loving the Lord. But he had this great passion to reach the lost. He especially had a passion about the unreached people groups. And uh, he was just a passionate man. He was motivated. And just a moment ago we read, he said, these things I do for the gospel's sake. This evening what I want to do, Lord willing, I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to do for the gospel's sake? Paul lived for the gospel. He eventually Died for the gospel. The Apostle Paul, for the sake of the gospel, the Apostle Paul was willing to suffer. He was willing to be beaten. He was willing to be in prison. Eventually, the Apostle Paul became a martyr. The Apostle Paul gave all that he had for Christ and the cause of Christ. For the sake of the gospel. That's, that's why we meet together during a missions revival. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes 
we get off course. Sometimes we forget what it's all about. No doubt tonight, if you're saved, you know the Lord Jesus. You thank God somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody say amen. There was a day that somebody came to you. Somebody either invited you to church. Somebody uh, came to you, gave you a track. Somebody knocked on your door. Somebody told you about Jesus. And, and you got saved and it changed your life. And, and we understand from the, the Bible that we're to go out and do the same thing. Not only in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, but the uttermost parts of the earth. In the passage of Scripture that we just read, Paul, again, as I mentioned a little while ago, Paul is dealing with a church that has a lot of doctrinal problems. They've got problems with the vision in the church. There are people who are questioning whether he's an apostle. And Paul is doing what he did very seldom, but he's, he's sort of defending himself. And it, the passage of Scripture that we read, Paul is saying, look at I do what I do for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. And again, this evening, in just a few moments, you are going to make one of the most, if not the most important decision, you're going to make one of the most important decisions you'll make over the next 12 months here as White Oak Baptist Church. For the sake of the gospel. In just a few moments, you're going, to, if you have not already done so, uh, you've been praying about it, you're going to make a decision and you're going to fill out that card, what you are promising to give to God for the sake of the gospel. In just a few moments, Pastor will come up here and he'll have the ushers. Don't know exactly how you're going to do it. He'll have the ushers come up here. He'll take a few moments, he'll say a few words. And uh, you'll fill in those uh, uh, cards. You put it in the offering plate. You'll have promised to God for the sake of the gospel. It's not for the sake of pastor. The truth of the matter is it's not for the sake of the church. That's why you don't put your name on it. It's something between you and God for the sake of the gospel. People will often ask missionaries, what made you decide to go to the mission field for the sake of the gospel? They will ask, what made you decide to leave your, your children, your family, your friends for the sake of the gospel? What made you decide uh, uh, to leave? Maybe you were involved with ministry like I was. What made you decide to leave your ministry for the sake of the gospel. That's how Paul lived. And though Paul lived 2,000 years ago, and though Paul did not live in the United States of America, God has given us His Word, and God expects you and God expects me to live for the sake of the gospel. We're to live for the sake of the gospel. We're to serve for the sake of the gospel. We're to give for the sake of the gospel. We're to pray for the sake of the gospel. Uh, a, a few, uh, probably about a year ago now, maybe as much as two years ago now, 
in our South Right Church, the church with the former Muslims that you uh, we talked about a little bit on Sunday. Uh, during the service, on their Thursday night service is a wonderful time. It's very simple. And you, you think we had technology problems tonight, man. We always have problems there. The lights always go out. It, 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 it's, it, it's a lot of fun. But uh, I remember one night I was getting ready to preach, and, and they were giving testimonies. They were testifying, and it was just spontaneous. It, they never have an order of service. There's nothing planned. There's nothing organized. And, and I remember they were giving testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony thanking God that missionaries came to their country and shared the God. I mean, I was so humbled. I I remember sitting there in a little plastic seat and sitting there and listening and they're giving testimony after testimony after testimony. Some of them are crying and and really, I, I don't think it was planned. Just thanking God that missionaries were willing to come. And I remember some of them said they left their family. They left their friends. They, they left what was coming. And, and by the way, the, the Cambodian people, they know what we've left in America. Somebody say amen. They know. They, they have television. Now, now most of them don't, but they have television. They can, they can see. They know. They, they know what we... They, they see our beautiful churches. I remember with tears, they were weeping and crying. I can remember this one lady, a lady probably in her mid-fifties, and she's just weeping and she's, she's bawling and she said, God has not only saved me, but saved my husband. Her husband, uh, well, I'm not, I don't want to scare you, but anyway, he was involved with some very satanic stuff. Priest. I remember as they shared and my, my heart was moved and they were thanking God for people who were willing to leave America for the sake of the gospel. But as I said on Sunday, we can't go if you don't give for the sake of the gospel. Like the Apostle Paul, may God's people today be willing to surrender their rights, their resources, and their very lives for the sake of the gospel. I'm often humbled when I go to churches. I was at a church recently, and not every church will have testimonies like this, but I'm often humbled when I'm at churches, when I, when I hear testimonies of families in the church who made a decision to be a one-car family rather than a two-car family for the sake of the gospel. I was at a church recently, and there were a few testimonies, and and I'm humbled when I hear folks who say, instead of having a six-week vacation, we we do only a three-week vacation. We used to do three weeks here and three weeks there. Now we only do one vacation instead of two. For the sake of the gospel. I've been humbled as I go from church to church and I meet folks and, and sometimes it just sort of slips out and, and I find out what they give and what they do and what they've done for the sake of the gospel. I thank God for the churches in America who 
for the last four years, actually longer than four years, have supported my wife and I, who've prayed and have encouraged for the sake of the gospel. Let me ask you a couple questions real quick. We don't have much time. But number one, what am I willing to give up for the sake of the gospel? For the sake of the gospel. If we're going to get the gospel out, whether it's around the corner or it's around the world, we have to be willing to give up something. What am I willing to give up? Every once in a while I hear stories of of young people, children, teenagers... I remember hearing a story that God really broke my heart. A young girl, she was a teenage girl. I think she was about 13 at the time. She was sitting in a service like this and she heard a message about the gospel, getting the gospel out and everybody could do their part. And by the way, that's what it's all about. Everybody doing our part. And, and, and she got convicted and she, she said, God, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a teenager. What can I do? And, and God laid it on her heart to take on a babysitting job. And she took on a babysitting job and, Every penny from the babysitting job, what she did, she went to a public school. Every penny, she bought Bibles and brought them to the public school. And I'm going to make the story real quick. We could draw it out for a long time. She brought the Bibles to the public school, gave to friends and, and tracts and so on. She she got known as the Jesus girl. And, and uh, people got saved. Different youth pastors in the area heard about it. And they were inspired by her life. And so what they did is they started buying Bibles for her. And she had a whole garage filled with Bibles and really a ministry started and the Bibles were going to different public schools and at the age of 14 she was killed in a car accident head on collision at her memorial service her funeral service 2,000 public school teenagers showed up and the kids you know how we do our memorial services people come up and give testimony school kids, some were saved, some were not, came up and said, I think her name was Brooke, if I remember correctly. Brooke loved Jesus, and Brooke gave me a Bible, and Brooke lived a life that was just different, and she, she never made me feel bad, but she gave me tracts, and, and for the sake of the gospel. The pastor gave a short message, and over 200 of those teenagers trusted Christ. Let me say amen. What am I willing to give up? She was willing to take on an extra job. By the way, I have known people who've taken on part-time jobs just simply to give all that income to the mission field. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel? Where am I willing to go for the sake of the gospel? I'll share a story with you real quickly. Some of you will be familiar with the story. There was a man during World War II, his name was Oscar Schindler. A book was written and a movie, I never saw the movie, but Oscar Schindler was a part of the Nazi party. He was an unsaved man. He did not know God. He was a pagan man. But one day he saw something. And as we talked about Sunday, our eye affects your heart. Even an unsaved man saw something. He saw a couple Jewish people being executed. And even as an unsaved man, his heart was moved with compassion. And for the next couple years, he used his resources 
to save 1,100 Jewish people from the furnaces. He spent what would be equivalent today, $75 million, $65,000 per Jewish person to save their lives. He died in poverty. If you're familiar with the story when the war was just about over, the Red Army, the Soviet Army, was heading in where he had a munitions factory, Poland, if I remember correctly. He's a part of the Nazi party. He's got to flee. He's standing there. I was going to read the letter that they wrote to him, but we don't have time tonight. I've got it on my phone. He's standing there and he's getting ready to flee because he has to flee because he's part of the Nazi party. He loved, he, he grew to love the Jewish people. He said, I want to be buried in Jerusalem. As he's standing there, the Jewish foreman of his factory hands him a ring and if I remember correctly, handed him the letter right there. Yes, he handed him the letter right there, long letter. You, you could get it online. I was going to read it tonight. Very moving letter. They were writing a letter so if he got caught by the United States forces, it would, they would give him safety. Just saying he was a good man and he saved our lives. He stood there, letter in hand, Ring in hand, over a thousand Jewish people there who he had bought their lives. And he bowed his head. And very quietly, he said, I, I, I could have done more. His foreman couldn't hear. His foreman said, what did you say? I, I, I could have done more. He saved over 1,100 Jews. He was responsible. I've done research on it. He was responsible for the lives of future generations having a chance for life. Over 6,000 of them live in America today. Spent over $75 million in today's currency, $65,000 per person. I'm just going to say, sound like he did a lot. He looked over at his car. He said, I could have sold my car. That would have, that would have been 10 more people. I could have done more. If I remember correctly, he looked at a ring on his finger, a gold ring. He said, I could have sold this. That would have been two more people. I could have done more. I believe the day is coming. We're all going to stand before God. And no matter how much we've done, 
we're going to look back and we're going to say, I could have done more for the sake of the gospel. Tonight you have a decision, a choice to make. What will you do for the sake of the gospel? Let's stand and let's pray.